Now we're able to do a demo of this thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Before we do, uh, I'm going to do two things. One, I have a final question and that is, is, is there like a, I don't know, like a requirement for you security guys to have the long beard and the long hair and to just look so stinking cool. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, I stopped, I haven't completely shaven since 2008 when I was at the white house. Like it was during that change of, of uh, administrations that we were working long hours that I stopped shaving. I, I'd been out of the military then for about six months. Um, and I've never looked back. And then of course, COVID, you know, oh, kind of sure. cut loose in COVID. I, I can't blame you for that. All right. Well, um, down on the bottom, you'll see a share button and you can share a whole screen or, or just a window while you do that. I'm going to say this for those of you listening on the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'd love for you to hop onto the YouTube video so that you can come check out the demo of dark cubed. All right, Vince, dark, dark, dark. You ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. So you can see on the screen, the, uh, you know, we call this the main dashboard where you can kind of see, get a quick bird's eye view of what's happening on your network. You know, there's two I love use this case. kind of stuff. Cause I'm such a nerd. Like <laughs> I just, I just love when it, when it's like pretty, here's a map, here's some threats. Yeah. And the, and the whole idea here is to be able to open this up and say, uh Oh, there you go. Told you guys uh, that apples are more secure. There's an annoying thing with, with the, the Mac, where if you put your earbud, it opens up Google or Apple music and you can't turn oh, that yeah. on. So we've designed our UA around two use cases. The first being this idea of fire and forget, like how quickly can you log in, configure a firewall, set up the automation and never log in again. And then the second use case is how do you allow kind of your team to take on the role of the security analyst without having to have all the training and sophistication, right? So if they want to do a little bit of research and investigation. So on the, on the fire and forget side, you know, the question is how quickly can you configure a firewall to work with us? You know, we call firewalls in our, in our, uh, in our system sensors. So I can deploy a sensor here, collect data, um, and give it a name. And with that, you're, cr you've created a firewall. So on the sensor, you're getting a block list, a syslog address and an, an ID. And that syslog address is where you're configuring your firewall to send that data to. Um, so step one is you configure your firewall. Again, we have um, very clear uh, instructions built out on, on how to configure every firewall. The second step is then to say, I want to turn on automatic blocking. So I want to enable auto blocking to so anything that's an eight or higher. We score all of our threats one through nine, one, two, and three are low, four, five, and six are neutral and seven, eight, and nine are bad with seven being low confidence and nine being high confidence. So this is right in the middle. And if I wanted to do notifications on blocking, I can just turn it on here and put in a slap slack web, web hook or an email, you know, that email can be a ticketing system. It can be, you know, there, there are lots of options here. And then if you want to do some other notifications, you can do some pretty cool notifications here. You know, for example, like earlier this year, when the Velexity report came out, you could say, you know, if any of the IPs in that Velexity report show up on this network, then send me an email. Um, and you'll get an email that comes with that title. So it's, it's a way to start to watch for some of these threats that you may be more concerned about without having to have an analyst login. 
So with those steps of, you know, configuring a firewall, setting up auto blocking and notifications, you're done. You don't have to log in again and you're protected. No way. It's, it's it. really that easy. It's that easy. Um, the second piece then goes into, if you want to dig into a little bit more and say, Hey, I want to learn more about what's happening on this network, right? I can dig into any given IP on the, on this, uh, of course doing a live demo. There you go. Um, so like this, this IP is shown up on this network between October 27th and December 9th. Uh, it's hit SSH ports and a few others, and it's coming out of Lithuania. Um, I can jump into other sources and these aren't, these aren't paid sources, but these are links into, you know, publicly available information. So I can say like, what does alien vault OTX say about that IP? You know, here, here we go. And I have access to this because it's public information. Any, any of our customers can pull this up because, you know, this is just available through Alien Vault OTX or Virus Total. You know, eight vendors have flagged this IP as malicious. So what Darkcubed has done is we've aggregated those sources. We've said it's a nine. It's known bad. It's bad. Um, you'll see here it's automatically blocked on that, on that, and uh, we're done. So, you know, with that couple minute configuration, you're protected from those threats. We also give you the ability to interact with the data a little bit more. I call this like an Excel spreadsheet where you can search, sort, and filter. So you can say, you know, these are things that have a score of less than seven that, that have been seen in the last 24 hours. Um, so you can kind of say like, this is the one we've seen the most of on this network. <clears throat> now you've got these, these different numbers that you assign and that's kind of your confidence score. So mm -hmm. is the, is the number going from like one to 10 or it's one to nine. So one seven, eight, nine. nine are, yeah. Seven, eight, nine are high threat. Of course. <laughs> seven, yeah. Seven, eight, nine are high threat with nine being high threat, high confidence. Um, I think my, uh, internet connection's blipping here and for some reason or something. Well, the good news is your video and audio stream are working great. <laughs> That's good. So we can, uh, yeah, I think I, mm, this is why I use Safari. <laughs> yep. You can also, uh, you know, if you want to export this data as a, as a CSV, right, mm -hmm. we can, we can export that data. Um, so that's, you know, that's a quick run through. We also have, as I mentioned, we have a Meraki integration, so you can add in your API key for Meraki and you can manage, you can sync block lists. Like Meraki devices are funky in the fact that, uh, they can't subscribe to a remote block list. So you have to write block rules via their API. Um, same mm -hmm. with like the Sophos XG and SG devices. And so we've built some custom integrations for those where we can auto block, um, on those devices. So you work with Sophos, XG, and even the older SG. You'll work with mm -hmm. Meraki. Who else yep. do you work with? Uh, I love Unify. So we've built some integrations with Unify, but we don't support them actively because, you, you know, Ubiquity has not designed their infrastructure in a way that's really friendly to third parties. And it's, they're actually using on the back end of those USGs, they're using Suricata. 
to do the detection. So when you, when you see the pretty UI with all the block lists, they're, they're using Suricata as an IDS, IPS, and then uh, they're using uh, syncing block lists from other sources. So like the block lists that they're syncing are really syncing probably once a day. And so what we've built some integrations to, to kind of bootstrap into that, but it's, it's clumsy and hard. Um, so, and, and then their you, their new unify OS is even worse. <laughs> it's wonderful. You bite your tongue. So I, in my, in my free time, I am the, uh, it admin for my church and I have unified deployed there. Yeah, me too. Uh, I just. So we just bought a building. We, we owned a building and then we went mobile because we outgrew the building. We were mobile for five years and now we, we just bought a building and it's yeah. huge. I love it. And I just deployed the dream machine and some unify APs, couple yeah. switches. I love it, man. But yeah. I wish that I could use some of this type of stuff, um, just, just to help help me have some peace of mind. So I have it working on mine, but it's not something that I'm comfortable selling to other people because like with the dream machine, you actually have to go in and like modify the boot infrastructure to actually load stuff on boot. And you have to use like this third party thing that's out on GitHub. Oh and boy. I, yeah, it's like, it's not good. Um, it's, so it's there's not no way set we, and forget it in a GUI. No, so. no. So there's no way we, we would support that commercially, but you know, it, it does work. Um, so, so what other firewall vendors do you guys support? Got a lot of Sonic walls and Palo Altos, Meraki, Sophos, PF sense, uh, ASAs. There's, so, there's a lot of PF sense. Yeah. So, well, and the reason I say that is PF sense seems well and good, but that is a system that is, you know, it's open source. You're, you're building it yourself. It doesn't seem like there's much support available for the thing. It shocks me that people are okay to put that into production. You know, as you go down market and you get the really cost conscious companies, you know, people do what they have to do to support them. And, and you know, it's, a, it's another great example of like how we're delivering value in the market. You take a PF sense you know, firewall that may not have a lot of additional functionality. And now you're running all that network traffic through a sophisticated threat intelligence platform and automatically blocking at the back end, right? So you're getting a lot of benefit of a, you know, of a sock of a managed sock without having to, to pay for it or support it out of a basically free firewall in a PF sense. Mm. So. All right. So. <laughs> What would you say, is there, is there a firewall type that works best with dark cubed? Um, the ones we support all work well. Um, okay. you know, we see, a, we see a lot of success with people using sonic walls. Uh, we see a lot of six, I mean, it, the functionality that a firewall needs to be well supported by us is the ability to send clean data out and the ability the to get instructions back. I guess my, my reason for that question was, you know, maybe, maybe one firewall type sends better data. Like they, they include more information in the login that they send out to where maybe you just are able to 
support them better or, or protect them better just because it's even, even more clear data than the others. Yeah. I'm just making it up as I go, man. I don't know. <laughs> some, some are noisier than others, which means, you know, they're sending a lot more, ex, a lot of extra data that we don't need. Um, and we just throw that away. So it's, it's our problem, not your problem. Um, and others, you know, we also support NetFlow. So, you know, if, if a device can send NetFlow out, we can consume NetFlow again, that, that ends up being pretty noisy, but we can consume NetFlow and, and parse that just as well as we can syslog. That's incredible. So. So like your demo was two and a half minutes long because it is that stupid, easy to configure that, uh, the, the product itself, like I'm going to say it doesn't do much, but that's only because you guys are instead of a mile wide and an inch deep, you guys are an inch wide and a mile deep where yeah. you are hyper-focused on collecting log data from firewalls, parsing that data, looking for bad actors and, and just bad stuff that's happening on the network. So that way you can let us know via Slack or an email, the email can go right into, you know, ConnectWise or Autotask. And you just, you just want us to, to feel that warm and fuzzy that our networks, the proper network behind the firewall, not the individual endpoints, if they're out at a Panera. But the network proper is uh, safe and secure. Good. And, you know, I would say not that we don't do much, but we abstract away all that complexity from our customers having to worry about it. Like the ability to transform logs and do the comparison against threat intelligence, do the scoring, do the notification, do the blocking. Like, why do we have to ask a customer to configure all of that? when it's all pretty straightforward. And that's what drives me crazy about some of these other platforms. It's like, there's a lot of basic stuff that everybody has to do and the companies make the customers do everything. It's like, we can, we can automate all of that away and deliver value with just a couple of clicks of the button. And that's, you know, if I could sum up where we're headed in the future as a company, it's, you know, how do we expand this philosophy beyond just firewalls, but also thinking about, you know, endpoints and cloud and, um, you know, other related technologies and doing this in a very simple, easy to deploy way. I, I do want to stress the importance of transparency with not just, you know, the DOD thing, you're, you're doing a great job there. That's fine. Yeah. But with how the product works and, and as, as transparent of a way as you can without also advertising to the bad actors of here's, here's how we do it. But yeah, you know, for, for the MSPs who want to build their own sock, maybe yep. this product isn't for them because you're, you're not collecting logs, you're reviewing them and pitching them in the trash when you're done. Well, if, if you have the expertise on your team to, to build a SOC, what I would say is, you know, there are some good technologies out there that are relatively free and low cost. So things like the elk stack, right? You could build out an elk stack with, you know, file beat and log beat to collect logs across your customers and across your infrastructure. What you're not going to get when you build that out is the security analytics piece, right? You can get some cool dashboards in elk stack. You can start to think about threat intelligence, but you know, how do you build a SOC? there like that last mile of building a sock is, is expensive and time consuming and hard and requires hiring people that 
are frankly really hard to find. And so if yeah. you augment that with what we're doing, right, you can say, I can take this data from Dark Cubed, I can do the automated blocking and then pivot into ElkStack to do the investigation and, and detailed investigation if I want to. You know, we enable you to build that socket at a much lower okay. price point. So is there anybody that your product is not for? Yeah, I mean, as you go up market and people have built out a sock, you know, I think there's diminished value, right? Like mm -hmm. if you had, if you had a sock where you've got Splunk deployed and you're spending, you're spending money on threat intelligence or say, you know, we have customers of ours that are using things like perch in the market that, that want us yeah. to integrate into perch. Um, you know, there, there is a demarcation in the market where as companies get larger and have larger budgets, you know, they're going to have more sophisticated security stacks and we're not, we're not solving that broad security stack issue. What we're doing is we're saying, you know, at the, at the low end in the mid tier, uh, the ability to monitor, detect and block threats is, is really hard and expensive. And so we're, we're basically democratizing that for, for the mass market. There's also use cases around, you know, franchises and highly distributed companies where you ha may have a hundred locations, you know, you can't, you can't, but, but it's a low margin business, the ability to instrument those hundred locations. Um, and do that in a way that that's affordable and effective is, is, is a lot of value. Would you say that there are any, any MSPs that are too small to need this or bother getting it? Like, yeah, I, I'm only supporting, a you know, six businesses. They, they don't need this stuff. Right. Um, I think it depends on the businesses you're supporting. We're seeing a lot of like small law firms and doctor's offices and car dealerships and all these things start to pop up um, because, you know, they're being targeted. They're having things like ransomware target them. Um, and so the ability to have a little bit better visibility into, into that is key. Um, but I would say, you know, when I'm talking, I, you know, in, in public events and things like what I always say is like the punchline at the end of the joke of cybersecurity is it's, it's about boring old risk management. Um, and so, you know, depending on how you think about risk management for that customer, you may or may not need a tool like dark cubed, you know, if it's, if it's a, if it's a couple of people, you know, on, you know, on laptops that, you know, are only using cloud services and there's no servers, no infrastructure, and you've got a, you know, an MDM tool and an AV, you know, it may not be worth it. Um, but. You know, we've seen a lot of value in the market to, you know, to being able to get the visibility and reporting that we provide and the automated protection we provide. So there's a, there's a big chunk of the market that we support potentially down in the really small space. It's, it may or may not be worth it, depending on what those customers can pay. And then as you go up market, they're going to have again, more sophisticated security stacks.